Welcome to the Lighting Your Way podcast. I'm your host, Guardian Nurses founder, Betty Long. During season three, we'll be delving in deeper to the amazing lives and stories of nurses and other healthcare professionals from around the country. We'll also be talking with a few of my nurse advocate colleagues at Guardian Nurses. You'll get a behind the scenes peek at the healthcare system, as well as get advice on how to get the best care when you or a loved one is a patient. War is a difficult reality filled with unspeakable horrors and trauma. The latest conflict in Ukraine has only underscored this. And we get to see those horrors and trauma on our television screens, our smartphones, and our computers. In this age of 24-7 news cycles and ubiquitous social media, our children, like us, are experiencing the visceral day-to-day reality of war in the Ukraine. Imagine if World War II or the Vietnam War had played out live on television, phones, and computer screens all over the world. On top of feeling pained by each news story and worried about friends and family members and stressing about the economic effects of the war, parents are also grappling with another concern. How do I explain this to my children? In our most recent issue of the Guardian Nurses e-newsletter, The Flame, we address talking with kids about war. Based on the amount of feedback we received, along with additional questions, we thought it would be helpful to bring in two of our pediatric nurses, Lauren Gant and Robin Sambuco. Robin is also our Vice President of Operations, and have a more in-depth conversation with them. Take a listen. Welcome, Robin and Lauren. Thank you really uh, so much for taking the time to join me today. It is Great to have you as guests and and certainly a, a hot topic to talk about. Thanks, Betty. I'm excited to be here. Yes, me too. Yeah, that's great, Betty, to be with you and Lauren talking about um, such a difficult topic. Yes, it yeah. is a difficult topic and sadly one that we have to deal with. Again, we thought COVID was going to be the most difficult topic that we talked about with kids. Um, yeah. But you know, so we're here today uh, to talk about how to talk with kids about war. Um, last week's issue, and I, I think I told you both this, last week's issue of um, our electronic newsletter, The Flame, addressed the same topic. But uh, through the last week, we got so much feedback. I thought it might be helpful to have you both on kind of live and talking about it. Um, now, you are both pediatric nurses and both worked on staff at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Um, Robin, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about your journey to go into pediatrics? Oh, sure. Absolutely, Betty. So uh, my journey began when I was four years old. My parents rushed me to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia for what they thought was an acute illness. Um, I ended up spending a week in the ICU And as years went on, my parents would have conversations with me about the nurses that cared for me and their compassion. And so I believe I was a junior in high school when I decided that I really wanted to be a nurse. Wow. Wow. Off to nursing school I go. (laughs) (laughs) It was that easy to convince you just by... Just by talking to you. Do you have a, a, a memory of, of being at the hospital at four? I 
don't really have a memory of being in the hospital, but I had the great opportunity of working with one of my primary physicians uh, when I was hired uh, as a new grad to work at CHOP. Oh, oh wow. Did, did he remember, or he or she remember you? I went right up to him and told him who I was. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Was he, was he scared? <laughs> no, no. He, um, he remembered me. He remembered my parents and, uh, it was, it was just, you know, nice to see him. Wow. And obviously, uh, he was excited for me to be a nurse. Yeah. So you went to college, uh, got your bachelor's degree in nursing and then went right into CHOP. So you knew right away you were going to be a pediatric nurse? Yes, but I needed to wait a little bit just because when I graduated, uh, there wasn't a plethora of jobs like there are now. It Uh was, you know, hard to get a nursing job back when I graduated. Wow. That's hard to believe, isn't it now? Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, so you got your job at CHOP and you were there how long? I was there in various different roles for about 17 years. Wow. Great. That's great. And now you, you came to Guardian Nurses because of that experience, if I remember correctly, because we, we needed a pediatric nurse and, uh, you got referred to us through another colleague and voila, and here you are. And yep. you are really one, besides, besides Lauren, I mean, you, you are one of the go-to people. Um, I know we all go to <laughs> for pediatric uh, issues or questions. So um, how about you, Lauren? How about, what, what was your journey to pediatrics? Yeah. So um, I, growing up, I, I danced and then I started teaching dance to kids. And so I loved working with the kids. That was probably one of my favorite things. Um, And growing up, like I knew I wanted to work with kids in some capacity, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, My cousin went into nursing school and she kind of, um, you know, showed me what nursing is and kind of um, was the person to inspire me to become a nurse. And so when I did decide to do nursing, I knew from the gate, like I wanted to do pediatrics. Um, I worked at CHOP as, well, I went to CHOP as a co-op. I went to Drexel and they have like a co-op program where you work there for six months, you follow a nurse, um, and it's a really awesome experience. And I stayed on at CHOP after that as a tech, and then um, I worked as a nurse on the unit that wow. I did my co-op. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Yeah, it it really is. I mean, it's CHOP is such a great uh, facility to have, and you know, it's I know it's one of the top pediatric hospitals, but I know that they do a good job of um, you know, bringing young nurses along. So um, good for you both. So I, I am looking forward. I know that uh, at various times you both have worked at CHOP in different, like Robin, I think you were there during the um, Gulf War, I think, right? So in yeah. terms of talking to the children, that was something that was interesting. So so when you're an, a nurse inpatient, right, and say there's something tragic going on like 9-11 or the Gulf War or now the Ukraine War, right? So mm-hmm. as an inpatient nurse, like are, are the kids, obviously the kids aren't watching TV, they're probably too young, but when their parents come in, like how does that work if if you're, you know, the parent comes in and wants to throw on CNN uh, maybe to catch up because they were at work all day? Um, what, what's that like? Do you do you try to protect the children from visual images? Where's it? 
worked on, Betty, uh, the kids were um, all ages. And if, you know, a parent was sitting there watching perhaps, you know, the news or some type of event, um, I would take the child to what's called the playroom. Okay. Or I would bring um, games, you know, into them to distract them from knowing possibly what's on TV. Okay. But I will say, you know, the the parents are so consumed with what's going on mm-hmm. with their child that um, there's more of, you know, I guess a push for the child watching, you know, their favorite shows or movies or, uh, you know, okay. playing than there is, you know, watching regular TV. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And Lauren, was that your experience as well? Yeah, I agree. I also, the unit I worked on was all ages as well. We actually had a lot of teenagers too. Um, and then I worked in the emergency department and I agree. Like, I feel like a lot of the times um, it's all about the kids, right? Like they're sick and it's allowing them to have some kind of control. So a lot of times they were just watching whatever they normally watch. Okay. Um, and then the same thing, like if something were on TV that maybe wasn't appropriate, um, but the parents wanted to watch it, it's the same thing, like taking them out of that situation or bringing in something that would interest them, you know, to take their minds off of whatever's going on and occupy them in a different way. Um, right. Yeah. And and at the point at which you were both, Robin, you might have been a little bit older to where the kid, because kids who are teenagers are probably going to have their I, their smartphone, Right. Robin, did kids with the teenagers have iPhones? Um, I feel like I'm dating myself. Did, did, the, did kids have <laughs> no. iPhones when you were working? Not when I was on the floor. No, there right. was not iPhones. Yeah, really. How how many years? That, right. Boy, Lauren, how about you? I know that was more recently, but did you find teenagers kind of always on their phones kind of looking? and? Yeah, I mean, I feel like maybe I it really wasn't always on their phone. I feel like they would have moments where they were messaging their friends and stuff, but okay. a lot of times like um, music therapy comes in or art therapy. So I feel like they try to keep them busy when they're in the hospital and most of the okay. kids enjoy it. So I don't think that Great. there was, I didn't notice a lot of, um, you know, use of cell phones to be honest. That's good. So, so at least in the inpatient environment, the, the environment is more controlled and, and you obviously could, limit the exposure to visual images of war and bombs going off and, you know, children mm-hmm. leaving their parents and, you know, going into the train. Um, so both of yeah. you are, are moms to two boys. Uh, ironically, you both have two sons, <laughs> although Robin, your boys are a little older, I think, than, than Lawrence. So you're, you're both dealing with this issue of talking with your kids about war at home as well as at work. Uh, and Lauren, I want to talk a little bit about some of your patients later, but Robin, let me ask you, your youngest son is 13, right? And in high school, yeah. um, yep, no doubt, he, no doubt he's on social media. Uh, what have you done as a mom to, to help him understand, um, what's going on with the invasion of Ukraine? Well, Betty, um, as you know, you know, one of the toughest jobs of being a parent is talking to your children about, you know, difficult situations, especially right. what's going on in Ukraine. But I feel like addressing these tough conversations, you know, definitely makes kids feel safer. And it mm-hmm. also strengthens 
your relationship and teaches your child about the world. Now, again, mm-hmm. my son's a young teenager, so I'm able to do that. Mm-hmm. But I always think about um, how it would be, you know, a good idea as a parent to use your kid's age, right, and their developmental stage as a guide to starting to talk about tough conversations. Um, there's actually a blog that I love. It's actually called Two Peds in a Pod. And the <laughs> ped, right, is for a pediatric. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And co-founders are actually two pediatricians. And it's a blog where other parents can go on and they're talking about these, you know, tough topics, um, COVID-19 and war and, you know, uh, other topics like racism. And, it, you know, they do this phenomenal job of being able to give you suggestions on how you can communicate to your children in an effective way based on their age. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, it's really, really neat. But what I would say uh, for me at home and my, you know, youngest son, uh, I'm really encouraging open conversations. Uh, I know my son and I, you know, may not agree on certain topics. And as you know, Betty, the parent is sometimes never right. Right. <laughs> um, but as a parent, I want to, you know, listen to my son and kind of find out how he thinks. Okay. I also try to um, ask him open-ended questions. And, you know, one of those questions that came up recently was, if you were in charge of the United States, the most powerful country, what would you do as a leader today? And I think by asking that question, wow. right? I, I think by asking that question, it really opens up the conversation with you and possibly your teenage child. Um, wow. Okay. Another, was that was that intended, that Rob? I'm sorry. Was that intended to kind of elicit his conversation about the war, like supporting the war or not supporting the war? What What was the what was your thought behind asking him that? Yeah, I think that, you know, it was about what's going on in the world right now and bringing your values and your compassion, you know, in, into your answer. Okay. Yeah. And what, what did it do? Can you share the answer? Um, so my son was, you know, of course, very respectful. Um, and as a leader, um, <laughs> and me being a, you know, pediatric nurse, of course, his first question was, I would help the children. Right. <laughs> so right. You know, that, that made me feel good as a mom, but on the, right. yeah, on the flip side of it, it's a shame that, you know, our children have to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the, um, one of the suggestions that we did make uh, in last week's video, like a lot of the kids, a lot of the kids want to help. Even, even some of our nurses, when I ask them what their children are asking them, the, the small children, six years old, and Lauren, I'll ask you about yours, but six year old children are saying, you know, what about the kids? Can we have some, can we bring some of them over? 
right? The, the small children. So that's interesting to me that, that Blair was thinking about that. Lauren, what, what about you? I mean, what have you done with your kids um, to help them understand, if at all, what's going on with Ukraine? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like my kids age, so I have a, a four-year-old son and a two-year-old son. And um, I feel like at this time um, in the world, it's like a blessing because they are in their own little bubbles. And, you know, I personally don't watch the news um, because I do have anxiety and I just feel like it's just so negative anymore. Um, right. So we never have it on in my house. But I know that they go to their grandparents' house or their aunt's house um, or, you know, at school they have teachers that might be talking about things. So, you know, I try to keep it super simple. Like I don't really bring it up um, very often, but if they make a comment or, um, you know, we're talking and it comes up in conversation, you know, I try to focus with them, not necessarily on the war, but just in general, um, that, you know, sometimes, you know, people get angry at other people and sometimes, you know, just like they get angry with one of their friends sometimes and, and it's okay to feel that way, um, you know, that, you know, sometimes they don't see eye to eye and that that's okay. But, um, you know, I just, I just try to keep it simple and I just let them know, you know, out, out in this world, there's good there's bad, there's kind, and there's not so kind. And right. um, I try to get them to, to be kind. Um, but I, I, we don't really talk necessarily about the war, but just about, okay. um, you know, things in general, I guess. Did you, did, did were they impacted uh, by COVID? I mean, did, were they going to school? Were they kind of curious about why mm-hmm. they um, had to stay home or wear masks or did that impact them? Um. I feel like no. So they were in, in like a daycare preschool program. And so they did have to stay home. Um, and honestly, we had a lot of their teachers from the school come and watch them at home. Um, okay. And they thought it was the best thing, to be honest, because they had all this attention. Um, <laughs> right. and they, right. you know, they have to share at school. So I think that they're just so like in their, like I said, their own bubble that they're kind of yeah. oblivious. And right. They thought we're cool. Like Spider-Man and superheroes. And so they were like excited to wear them. Um, oh, that's great. You know, so okay. I, yeah, yeah. That's a That's a good way to frame the superhero. Right. And they're all, mm-hmm. yeah, I was, um, I, I think where were we Ram? We were at a school the other day and I, I saw kids wearing masks as, or no, it was the airport. And I thought, Oh, you know, they're, they're kind of acclimated to the fact that this is what the world looks like now. You know, they just kind mm-hmm. of assimilated and picked it up. Um, so, Ron, let me go back to you. I, I think one of the most uh, often suggested tips that I've read uh, in researching our newsletter to write the newsletter was that we as adults should not shelter kids. And I think you mentioned this in the way you talked to, to your sons. We shouldn't shelter them from the reality of war and conflict. Uh, in your opinion, Rob, why is that important? Yeah, that's a great question, Betty. Well, you know, in a perfect world, we wouldn't have to talk about war to anyone. True. But we know our world is so far from perfect right now, unfortunately. And it's especially difficult to talk with children about war. Um, I think given kids' access to media, you know, it's near impossible to protect them from all this frightening and confusing um, world events. Yeah. But while your instinct, right, as a parent might be to shield them, 
from all these bad events in the world, yeah. you know, eventually that teenage child or, you know, that 10 year old is going to find out the information somehow, whether it be from their friends in the classroom or social media, right? Think about TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, right. Right. you know, all those things. Right. So, you know, I would say, Betty, it's important not to dismiss your children's curiosity um, and, and anxiety about these world events. Yeah. I, I would, you know, take them seriously, listen to your children, discuss what they're seeing and hearing on the news, and make sure that you're monitoring it, yeah. right? That you're able to help kids avoid, you know, any false sources of information. Ask them, you know, where's your source coming from or where did right. you see that? Right. Um, so that, right. you know, that makes, you know, maybe their anxiety and fear um, less of a burden. Yeah. No, that's that's good. I, to, you, good point about the social media because you can do a lot, right? I mean, when I was growing up, we only had TVs. And so, so you know, my mother and father could just turn off the TV. Um, and we didn't see anything. And of course, there wasn't cable news, which is blasting news 24-7. You know, breaking news is happening every minute, hour. Um, so it's this, you know, kind of a constant news source. And kids can pick up on it, um, you know, in any way. Like you can walk past a store or walk past a, you know, a bar and see it in the, on the TV. Um, Lauren, would you add anything uh, to to Robin's answer? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with everything Robin said. I think really opening that line of communication, um, allowing them to say how they're feeling and then letting them know it's okay to feel how they're feeling. Right. Um, I think it's important to validate, you know, what they're going through and how they're feeling. And I think that that helps them to communicate too as it continues, as things continue. Um, it helps to develop a relationship and trust, and it kind of gives them a safe space. Um, so I think, you know, validating their feelings, you know, allowing them to, to tell you and letting them know that it's okay to be scared or, you know, to be sad um, and just, you know, being there for them in that way. Yeah. What if, what, what, like with your children, they're so young, like how, what if they're, the kids can't articulate what they're feeling? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, when so their behavior, like, what, what are you looking for? If you're a parent. Yeah, it's so it's so funny that you say that because um, I've recently noticed this with my four year old that kids can't always, you know, especially at that age, verbalize, you know, how they're feeling. That's why they right. throw tantrums. That's why they, you know, do certain <laughs> things. But lately, my older one has been telling me his belly hurts. And that's uh. the way that sometimes they have these feelings and sometimes they do like show as physical symptoms. And he'll say, Mommy, my belly hurts can you come sit with me? And I go sit with him for a few minutes and then everything's better. So I'm noticing that I think at times that he is like anxious or he can't really communicate how he's feeling. Oh. Um, it's not anger. He always throws tantrums when he's angry. But <laughs> like when he's, when something's going on that he can't explain, he tells me his belly hurts. I sit with him for a little bit and then, huh. you know, everything's fine. So it's, it's important to watch that in, in that age that, you know, sometimes if you notice they're saying the same thing, like my belly hurts or mommy, I don't feel good or something's going on. That's like right. not normal. 
you know, it's important to acknowledge it and kind of see what's going on. And it might actually be physical, like you might not feel good, but a right. lot of times too, it's also, you know, mm-hmm. mental and emotional and things that they can't really, you know, talk about. Right. Rob, how about you with your, with, I know you have some young nephews and stuff, are, are similar experiences. Yeah. So Betty, I would add um, to Lauren's point, right. If the children that are, you know, inpatient, right. As pediatric nurses, we see, um, you know, the, the headache or the belly ache because they're anxious or upset. And we would have the music therapist come in or the art therapist come in. And so, you know, I kind of took that and brought that in my house. Okay. Right. We can roll out a huge, um, you know, roll of paper and crayons and markers. And um, you might have, you know, a tambourine in your house that you can do some music with. Right. Kind of changing, changing the setting to decrease the anxiety or the fear of that child. I think, you know, it's really important, uh, you know, to keep the child busy, but, you know, to also let them know that they're okay and then maybe move on to something that's fun for them to do. Okay. Yeah. I I think it's good to, to note that, you know, you can't always articulate, even some adults can't articulate how they're feeling. Right. But excuse me, but, um, so Rob, let me let me um shift over to you. There's a lot of images, right? Of bombs exploding, of buildings being destroyed, um, people, you know, packing up their belongings and, and going to uh, other countries. Um, I know that one of the most often asked questions from young children, uh, even on our team, is are we going to get bombed? And how how would you answer right. that question? So uh Betty, if you know, it was a teenager asking the question, right? You can be a little bit more direct than a younger child, let's say an eight-year-old, nine-year-old, 10-year-old. Understanding, you know, how the child perceives the world, right, through their developmental phases is just so important. Every child's different. And Mm -hmm. as a parent, you need to use your best judgment based on your own child you know them the best uh remember there's there's no right or wrong answer but there are suggestions on blogs uh on pediatric websites that could really help parents to be direct but also to alleviate any fears and use age appropriate words to discuss you know, what's going on on okay. TV sets today. Yeah, I, I, it made me sit like when um, one of our colleagues said that about her son, I was like, oh, geez, that, that makes me sad, right? Because, again, my experience growing up was that we didn't see that type of stuff. Even during the Vietnam War, which is when I was growing up, we just got a, a news report at night and they controlled the news, right? The The government controlled the news, so you never knew what was happening. But obviously... Uh, it's playing out right here in everybody's living room. Um, <clears throat> Lauren, one of our one of our colleagues here at Guardian Nurses told me the other day that um, she'll watch the news for like five, maybe five, ten minutes each night after work. But last week, her six-year-old son asked her, um, who is Putin and why is he bullying other people? I, I thought that was 
very insightful. Um, how would yeah. you help her answer that? Yeah, I mean, six is still, you know, an age where it's hard um, because they can only understand so much, right? Like they can only, it's, it's a lot of it for them is like black and white, like there's good and bad or, um, okay. you know, we talk about bullying a lot in our house and, um, you know, I think describing who Putin is would be, I guess, comparing him to our president. Like, you know how we have a president, so does Russia. And just letting them know, like, I think okay. at that age, it would still kind of be like, um, you know, maybe this country is angry at this country. And so they're not okay. getting along right now. And, okay. you know, what we can do, you know, is be kind. Like, I try to teach kindness. And I think maybe changing, you know, yes, he's bullying and it's not right. But what we could do is help those people by donating things or, you know, getting them involved in, like, in the kind aspect of it. Okay. Um, and saying, like, you know, that's not nice. But this is what we can do to help. I think it's still keeping it super simple okay. um, for them at that age and kind of just trying to, you know, change their perspective of, yes, he's bullying people, but what can we do to help okay. the people that he's bullying just as you would do at school, you know? Okay. Right. I, that's, I, I just saw an image the other day of um, <clears throat> a bunch of toys at a train station. I think it was so that when the children from Ukraine arrive in Poland, uh, that they can pick up a toy so that their, their arrival to a new country is, is, you know, kind of a, well, I won't say joyful, but they get a new toy, right? So it's kind of a, a, a good image. Um, <clears throat> I, Robin, I know um, that one of our suggestions in last week's issue of The Flame was to encourage giving back. And uh, Lauren talked a little bit about that, right? Encourage giving back and helping others. Why is that helpful mm -hmm. for kids? Yeah, I mean, I think Lauren hit on a couple of good points, right? Volunteering and you know, helping others is also a great way to give kids a sense of calmness and control. Uh, mm -hmm. Heck, it's it's even good for us adults too, Betty. Right, I know, I know. It's not <laughs> just for children. <laughs> right, That's right. right. Good suggest. Good point. You know, good point. Yeah, yeah, and you know, instead of letting uh, the child be overwhelmed or maybe you know the parent is overwhelmed you can turn a, a major crisis or an event in the world um, like the invasion of ukraine into an opportunity to okay. you know give back to others um just like you know lauren said in the in the classroom right? right helping each other out uh there are some ways that kids can come back and feel like they're making a difference. And Betty, I know you talked about some of these, you know, in the flame, yeah. uh, raising money for an aid, you know, for an aid organization through crafts or a fundraiser, okay. writing mm -hmm. letters to our veterans. I know uh, a lot of schools do that and they also send uh, care packages to the military. That's, yeah, volunteering, that's cool. Yeah. Volunteering for an organization like um, perhaps UNICEF, a, you know, a humanitarian organization focused on helping children in crisis gain access to clean water and food. Uh, I think that pushing um, the parents and children to help is it's just so important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Well, it's just like Lauren said, right? I mean, she's focusing on kindness, right? And that, and that's a life lesson that is never going to go wasted, right? Whether it's right. talking about Ukraine and the children that are affected by the war there or the children that are watching the war here, if we can instill <clears throat> in our children and in our adults kindness, that is not never to be wasted. So. I think um, it's a good point. And, and I, I do think UNICEF, I've, I've done some um, research on UNICEF just in terms of their website, and they have a lot of resources uh, talking about children, talking about how you can help um, the families uh, that are displaced, uh, the refugee families over in, uh, in Ukraine. Um, Lauren, I know you're working now with a lot of our pediatric patients uh, in one of our large clients. Um, have, has this topic come up? I mean, have you been suggesting or parents asking you uh, about how to talk to their kids about war? Is it coming up for you in your practice? Yeah. Um, so sometimes it does actually, um, you know, when we are just talking in general and the parents, you know, we'll, we'll start talking about it and how hard it is for their kids and for them and how to really make that connection. Um, so with the younger kids, like I've been saying, like with mine, keeping it simple, um, you know, and trying to make, like, see some kind of positive in all of this negative, right? Like trying to get them to focus on, you know, helping. Um, and then okay. I, you know, acknowledging for a lot of the older kids and, and kids who can kind of understand, like acknowledging that this is happening, um, you know, talking to their kids about what's happening, finding out what they know and finding out how it makes them feel. Um, again, validating their feelings and letting them know it's okay to be scared or it's okay to be sad. Right. Um you know, and, and I would also recommend acknowledging the fact that your child's opening up to you. I know that it can be hard, um, especially like the teenage years. I feel like it's hard to really talk about how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to let them know how happy you are that they're actually talking with you um, and allowing them to express their feelings. And I feel like that would also have them continue the conversation, oh, um, great. Yeah. you know, because we don't know you know, we don't know what's going to happen in a month or two months. And, you know, we don't know what the situation is going to be. So keeping that line of communication open and kind of being a safe space for your kid, um, right. I feel like is so important. And that's kind of what I tell the parents mm -hmm. now when I, when we talk about it. That's great. That's a great, yeah. Cause we don't know. I mean, <clears throat> from, from all um, reports, it may be a long drawn out conflict and um, mm -hmm. hopefully yeah. not yeah. escalated. Uh, to any any other countries. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I must have a frog in my throat. Um, all right, so one last question to both of you, and Robin, I'm going to ask you first. Um, mm -hmm. If you could give our listeners one suggestion as to how to help them help their children, and I know we've talked a lot about it, I think I know what your answers might be, but if they can <laughs> give us one suggestion to help their kids during what might be as Lauren mentioned, a long drawn out conflict, what would that suggestion be? Yeah, I think, you know, my, listen to your children, okay. right? Listen to, listen to what they're telling you or listen to what they're asking you. Stop what you're doing. Maybe sit down with them and, and you know, what, just listening to them is so important and makes them feel so much safer. And Betty, I'd also add, you know, be mindful of a parent as a parent. If you see 
any changes in your child, right? Um, mm. You know, okay. they're, yeah. they're heads down at the dinner table or they're staying in their room more or to, you know, Lauren's point, they're complaining of belly pain. You know, right. be mindful of that and reach out to your pediatrician. Right. Great. Yeah. And get off the phone. <laughs> yeah. Put the phone down yeah. and talk yep. to your child. Don't text them. Uh, Lauren, how about you? What would your one suggestion be? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I was going to add that, Betty, that like sit down with your kid, look them in the eyes, put the phone down, turn the TV off and just listen. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, like just, just have a real conversation, you know, back before <laughs> we had phones and that's how we communicated. Like just look them in the eyes, have a have a heart to heart, a real conversation. Um, keep the right. line of communication open. Check in with them every once in a while. Like if they're not, you know, coming out and just talking to you about it, check in with them. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling? Like, you know, just just to have a conversation um, and then listen to what your kids mm -hmm. aren't saying. Again, um, you know, sometimes they're going to show you in different ways if they're not mm -hmm. talking. So just pay attention, um, validate their feelings and just, you know, be their safe space. So this just occurred to me. I mean, all of those suggestions are fantastic. And, and I think that particularly the suggestion about putting the phone down and talking yeah. to your child, giving them the space and the room to, to have a conversation and be uninterrupted. But when you think back mm -hmm. on your uh, growing up, Robin, I, I, I know that you're a little older than Lauren, but, but did your parents do that for you? Did they like sit you down and say, how do you feel? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, both, both of your parents did. Okay. No, that, that's great. That's great. I, I think because generationally, I mean, I think back, you know, I'm older than you guys, but I think back on, you know, my parents, I don't remember. I mean, and you know, I, there wasn't, there was the Vietnam war. Kennedy was shot. I think my mom, you know, I, I did remember that. Um, and she explained that to me. Um, yeah, but there wasn't, uh, you know, a lot of attention just like sitting down. How do you feel? Right. Mm -hmm. how, you know, what's going on? Um, but when we talk and again, we thank God we didn't have war. We had the Vietnam War. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm just curious. Lauren, how about you? I mean, you're you're the youngest uh, of the three of us. Um, did your parents offer that space to you? Yeah, I mean, I was in high school when 9-11 happened. Um, and, you know, my parents were very good, I'll be honest, at um, keeping our line of communication open. Like, I was very honest with them about everything in my life, sometimes maybe too honest. Um, <laughs> I feel like they did a really good job at that. And I feel like because of that, I could tell them things that maybe uh, I wouldn't necessarily have been comfortable with. So that's great. Yeah, they were okay. actually, yeah, they were good at that. That's great. And Rob, was there any anything that happened uh, when you were growing up that your parents gave you that space? Yeah, I mean, you know, to Lauren's point, when 9-11 happened, I was a nurse at CHOP. Oh. So, you know, being in the healthcare field during, you know, 9-11 brought up right. a, a lot of conversations. Though I was an adult, right, right it still brought up a lot of conversations. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't married yet. I still lived at home. So, you know, right. I was talking to my parents when I was home for dinner. Great. About what's going on and what's also going on in the healthcare world. Right. Well, I think that also if we parlay that that same 
issue, right, with even the nursing staff who have experienced COVID for the last two years, that they would often come home and not talk about what they had to go through that day. Um, they just kept it to themselves. And now we're seeing the effect. Some nurses, a lot of nurses are leaving. Um, you know, a lot of them are, are feeling a little bit, I don't want to say burnout, but, you know, compassion fatigue. So, you know, to get it out and to talk about how you're feeling obviously is much more therapeutic than keeping it in. Uh, and I think that's mm -hmm. true with adults as well as children. So I think we could all learn a lesson from our peds nurses <laughs> as usual. <laughs> well, thank you both uh, for joining uh, for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll give some tips to some parents out there uh, in the world. And hopefully this war will be short. So thanks uh, for joining. Hopefully. Thanks for having us. Thank Patty. you. Okay, yeah. you're welcome. Take care. If you have any questions that you would like us to address in a future episode, please email us at podcast at guardiannurses.com. That email again is podcast at guardiannurses.com. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for joining us this week. You can find the Lighting Your Way podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, YouTube, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend and leave us a review. You can learn all about Guardian Nurses Healthcare Advocates on our website, guardiannurses.com. So until next time, find some joy in your life, pet all the good doggies and kitties, and remember to tell your people that you love them. Take care. <laughs>